Hello, America. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Peter Schweitzer. Seated next to me is Eric Eggers. We host a podcast called The Drill Down. Sean's taking a well-deserved break. Uh, so we're filling in for him today. And we want you to join the conversation. It's 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-7326. During the day, we host the podcast. But today, we host Sean Hannity's National Radio Show. It's uh, the third year in a row we've been fortunate enough to do that. And I think it's only appropriate because people know you and I think know our organization, the Government Accountability Institute, because of the news we've broken about Hunter Biden and about Hillary Clinton and about the interference of money and government corruption in Washington, D.C. Uh, and it turns out, even though it's Christmas time, there's still actually plenty of that to talk about. There is. There's plenty of that to talk about. We're going to talk about Hunter today, and we're going to give you the case, I think the best case, that I would argue convincingly shows that bribery charges could be warranted or are warranted with Joe Biden, President of the United States. We're also going to talk about the situation on college campuses, and we're going to bring on a couple of guests who are actually fighting back. Let's not just complain about what's going on campuses. We're going to talk about some of the ways we can effectively fight back. You mentioned that you think that's so important, and that's what America wants to hear from us, and that's what maybe they need to hear in this season of uh, the holidays, right? It is a season of darkness, but there is hope in the darkness, as many churches around the country are probably reminding you. You think people are tired of being told how bad things are, and, you know, things are bad. We actually have, for the first time in the Biden administration, a majority of Americans say they plan to cut back on their holiday shopping. That's up from 46% the year before and 40% in 2021. Uh, but you actually were in the heartland of America over the weekend. You gave a speech in Indianapolis, and you said you met with patriots who you said they're looking for one thing and that is solutions. Yeah, I mean it was amazing because again there's a lot of doom and gloom. We report on corruption and cronyism which is not always a fun light topic to deal with but I gave a speech on a Saturday night uh, to the First Principles Forum in Indianapolis. It's a Saturday night, the weekend before the Christmas uh, you know, really kicks in uh, and 300 people showed up to talk about Biden corruption and what they wanted to talk about, what are positive things they can do in their community to make a difference. And I tell you, it was so encouraging. There were young people, there were old people, they were knowledgeable, they were engaged, and they weren't sitting around with their hands thrown up saying, there's nothing we can do about it. They said, we've got to figure out how to fight back. And this is what makes Peter Schweitz America's most beloved journalist America, because not only can he break news, not only has his reporting led to, I think, the very real investigations surrounding Hunter Biden, he can also, in the humblest way, brag about the size of the speeches he gives on Saturday. 300 people, in case you were write that one down. And I counted every single one of them. But honestly, one of the topics that a lot of people were discussing was inflation. And, and you know, in the casual conversation about how prices are so sky high. Uh, and this, I think, is the real problem that the Biden administration faces when people think of the economy. They want to change the subject. They want to redefine what inflation is. But the fact of the matter is inflation's a huge problem and it's not going away. I think the, I think inflation is a problem, and we'll talk about why it's a problem. And even NPR is admitting, well, it's a problem, but maybe it's not as much of a problem as it was last year because they're introducing a term called disinflation, right. which you thought meant that prices are going down. No, no, deflation, yeah. no, that's not disinflation. It turns out disinflation is when the amount of inflation is decreasing, which <laughs> we're told is something we should feel better about. But I think that's what's crazy is we're told, oh, the economy is getting better. But when you've got things like auto insurances, according to NPR, up 20 percent, frozen juice 
juice is up 15%. I mean, just go to the store. Things yeah. aren't cheaper. And even if the cost is down maybe compared to last year, the costs are not down compared to two years ago. And I think they say, well, inflation is only 2% more this year than it was 12 months ago, and that's better than the 12% jump it was the year before. But costs are still up, and America's memories don't reset from year to year. No. They go and they see what milk costs and say, it didn't used to be that way. And rightly or wrongly, they blame the president for it. And I think you would say it's it's correct to blame the president of the United States for what things cost right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, look, Joe Biden came in and in 2021, the first thing he did was increase federal spending by 50 percent, one trillion, sorry, two trillion dollars from a four trillion dollar base. That led to inflation, which, of course, forced what the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates. Uh, and that is the direct cause of inflation. That's why the Fed had to do what they, they did. And that's why housing costs are at an unprecedented level in United States history and why we had another report that came out today about homelessness. You've got inflation that's hitting everybody, but in its most extreme form, you have greater homelessness. So as we struggle uh, maybe to pay our bills or to, you know, we're scaling back on the number of gifts we're getting, there are people that are actually out of their home because they can no longer afford to live. Their homelessness is up 12 percent uh, over the last year. That's the highest level ever since they started keeping track in 2007. And it's interesting, right, that uh, homelessness is up 12 percent right now. And by the way, for as much as you hear about the, you know, some of the very culturally enlightened trends that the Biden administration <laughs> likes to uh, embody, right? So, uh, but homelessness is very decidedly anti-woke because blacks and Latinos make up 70 percent of homeless Americans. Yeah. And uh, you think there's something interesting about today being a day in which we have a new report on homelessness. <laughs> this is quite ironic because today, as this report gets released, is the 20-year anniversary of Gavin Newsom's 10-year plan to end homelessness in San Francisco. And he is just, I think, the poster child for the broader problem, which is a lot of people on the political left talk about it, but they never fix it. And the reason is that they are, I think, largely to blame for a lot of the problems that we have uh, when it comes to homelessness. Uh, you had, of course, the deinstitutionalization of, of, of you know, people that are having mental um, uh, health challenges, no longer able to get help, but also just the craziness of big government regulations. There's a affordable housing union in Los Angeles, the Wall Street Journal reported on this, that just got completed. And Which, you think, now oh, that seems great. like a, a wonderful thing, right? Yeah. Happy holidays to the homelessness in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. You now have a home for the holidays, uh, which is great. Yeah, it's uh, Lorena Plaza. Here's the problem. They started building it in 2006. It's taken them 17 years to build it, and that's largely because of the laws, the requirements, the, uh, the complexity of the federal subsidies, all the bureaucracy they had to deal with. And these were for the working poor, people that are maybe working as landscapers or others in San Francisco, sorry, in Los Angeles, that gives them a decent place to live. Um, this is how long it takes. So government doesn't solve this problem. It helps cause this problem. I think you're ignoring the real benefit and the real highlight of this particular story. Yes. It may have taken 17 years to build a 49-unit affordable housing project in Los Angeles. And yes, this may be the 20-year anniversary of Gavin Newsom's 10-year plan to end homelessness. But I'm willing to bet you that over those 17 years, they constructed this uh, affordable living, living complex in a very environmentally sustainable way. <laughs> I bet it's filled with smart thermostats. I bet that it's not adding to climate change. They probably lifted it up at the recent uh, COP summit and said, this is what the future should look like. Yeah, and, and, and this is the problem. The left... 
says they prioritize everything, which means they don't prioritize anything. Um, and to the extent that they're going to choose between strict environmental standards or helping the poor, they are going to pick strict environmental standards every single time because they've, they've made the case this is an existential threat. It's going to kill all of us, so we need to abide by it. Well, and let's connect some dots, right? So if environmental uh, sustainability, if climate change is the th- existential threat that the left says is threatening all of us, then that means it's worth investing in. And oh, by the way, the Biden administration has invested plenty. Mm-hmm. But in investing that much money and in all the pandemic relief funds that they injected into the economy, that's what's contributed to the inflation, which is what has made everything else more expensive, which is why this year people that are making less than $50,000, two-thirds of them are saying, we're spending much less money. We don't have it. Yeah. Daddy ain't going to have it for the Christmas this year, folks. Yeah. And so I think that's why it all matters. It's one thing to just to complain about, yeah, it's silly that it took 20 years to do the thing. Gavin Newsom said it would do it in 10. It's silly that it took 17 to build one complex. But at the end of the day, there's a real price tag yeah. for these failed policies. And increasingly, everyday Americans are stuck with the bill, which means they can't pay for the things that matter to them. That's right. That's right. And this is the problem with a broken administration and a broken policy. And they will not admit their contribution to this issue. They will not admit to the fact that they're pushing for this agenda. We're going to talk about this in a little bit with Seamus Bruner, but they're pushing this agenda that is increasing the costs of basic foods for people Mm -hmm. uh, in the name of fighting climate change. And it's intentional. They want the price of certain uh, food items like meat, for example. They actually want it to go up because guess what? They want you to eat less of it. Um, That's just a symptom of it. And when it comes to the housing uh, problem, San Francisco has thrown huge amounts of money against it. California has. And the problem is they have completely lacked in results. California has a higher homelessness rate than any other state in the country. Uh, And it's not just because the warm weather of California. Texas has warm weather, too. Florida has warm weather. Florida has warm weather. But they flock to California because they have failed policies that don't deal with the issue and incentivize destructive behavior. We're broadcasting today from Florida, by the way, from Tallahassee, Florida. And Tallahassee has its own fair share of homelessness, but that's because of the combination of warm weather and very liberal municipal policies. And I think it's no different than what California is. California, is it fair fair to call it a a failed state? And if it is, then why are some suggesting that Gavin Newsom, the leader of California, might actually be the replacement for Joe Biden that, oh, by the way, a poll suggests the majority of Democrats no longer want to be the presidential nominee? Yeah. And who can blame them, right? If you look at the fact that the, the walls are closing in on the Hunter Biden uh, corruption scandal. We're going to talk about that later today on the show. You look at the terrible poll numbers. You look at inflation. You look at the fact that, mm, let's just say he's a little disengaged uh, intellectually when it comes to certain things. Uh, people are looking for a white knight to come in, and they think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. And that's that's what I think is going to happen. I think Joe Biden's going to stay uh, in the race, so to speak, up until the convention. And then at the convention next summer, he's going to say, you know what, I've decided I'm going to step back, I'm going to finish up my term, and I want my delegates to go for Gavin Newsom, and I think that's the direction we're headed. Well, listen, you're the president of the Government Accountability Institute. I'm a mere vice president of the Government Accountability Institute, so far be it for me to actively and publicly on national radio push back against what you're saying. But I would I disagree with one thing. I think okay. Joe Biden's very engaged on the inflation issue. We have actually a quote from Joe Biden here. Listen to how engaged Joe Biden is on inflation. Republicans may have to find something else to criticize me for. Now that inflation is coming down. Maybe they'll decide to impeach me because it's coming down. I don't know. I love that one. Oh, anyway, it's another story. (laughs) 
<laughs> Very sound reasoning there. Sharp as a tack. <laughs> Sharp as a tack. Yeah, no, uh, impeachment may be coming. We don't know. There's certainly an impeachment inquiry underway, but it's not because of inflation. Uh, it's not because of uh, the fact that he's so disengaged. Uh, it's because of Hunter Biden. No, it's absolutely right. Well, that's one of the things we're talking about today. We will break down, I think, the unimpeachable case for impeachment in the five o'clock hour. Uh, we'll be joined by Jason Chavitz then. We're going to be talking to Richard Corcoran and Scott Walker in the four o'clock hour about the liberal takeover of academia and how we can fight back against it. But coming up next, we're going to tell you, yes, homelessness is here in certain aspects of the country. Um, but there's a group of people that want to make you live kind of like a homeless person. They want to control what you eat. They want to control where you live. Uh, they want you to sweat during the day and freeze at night. That heartwarming holiday tale next here on the Sean Hannity Show. Peter Schweitzer, Eric Eggers, host of the Drill Down Podcast, and for Sean Hannity. The biggest newsmakers, the best coverage, and the issues you care about every single day. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Schweitzer and Eric Eggers, we're filling in on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. We want you to join the conversation, 1-800-941-7326. We have the Drill Down podcast, and we were talking earlier about inflation and food prices. Uh, but Eric, we don't need to worry because they had a meeting in Dubai uh, with 70,000 people showing up, uh, and they're going to solve this problem. Yeah, the from the people that told you you could no longer buy a fossil fuel-powered vehicle come the people that will tell you how to grow, which food you're allowed to eat, and when you're allowed to eat it. Uh, the headline coming from COP, the Council of Parties, this is the 28th version of this collection of global do-gooders. They have now told us that uh, food is on the table, and that should <laughs> absolutely terrify everybody. Yeah, and what it means, by the way, is they are seeking a dramatic reduction in the amount of meat that is produced, primarily beef, because they say it's not good for the environment. Uh, what that means is it's going to get a lot more expensive. Now, the elites that fly to Dubai on their private planes for this conference, they'll be able to still afford it. You know, they're going to get that nice big roast. Uh, the rest of us, it's going to get really expensive to do it. And I think there's a certain irony, by the way, that this event being held in an oil producing country uh, didn't really focus as much on dealing with fossil fuels, which presumably you would think they'd want to. Instead, they go the direction of agriculture and small countries like Vanuatu are looking for a big payday. Yeah, lots of big takeaways from this thing. For the first time, they agreed to create this fund by which the what they call the polluting countries, a.k.a. the big wealthy countries, will now give money to the poor countries. So mm -hmm. countries like you know the Marshall Islands, like, we didn't come here to sign our death warrant, but we will pick up a check. <laughs> and that's essentially what the John Cares, the world's like, oh, you're very brave for being here. Please take this check with our sincere apologies. But that's literally what they're doing. And so I think those are the things that are on the table, not the least of which is going to be, hey... Uh, if 30% or of a third of the greenhouse gas emissions come from the way we grow food, that's one of the headlines in the news, then guess what's next in terms of the things they're trying to control about your life. So coming up after the break, we're going to talk to our fantastic colleague, Seamus Bruner. He's at the Government Accountability Institute. Also, how many amazing researchers do we have and authors in our stable? Too many. But Seamus's book, Controlagarchs, is blowing up the internet. It actually 
created a new word. The word of the year in Australia is controlligarch. And so he's the one that broke the story about Bill Gates and his um, how much farmland he's buying and how he's got the, uh, the patents on these seeds. So if you're wondering who's in charge of telling you which food and where you're allowed to grow it, uh, Bill Gates is the moment, and he can explain on this other news. Yeah, so we're going to look forward to Seamus talking about that. We're very proud of him. He started with us as an intern 10 years ago, and he's now written several uh, books. So stay with us. We'll be back shortly. And again, join the conversation, 1-800-941-SEAN. We'll be back after this.